right. Well, good morning. Good morning, everyone. How are we doing? Good. Good to see you all. Good to see you all. I am uh, excited about this morning. It's been a good, a good start already. You guys are just diving right into a moving stream, so we're going to have fun. We're going to have a lot of fun. Hey, I've got to announce for any of our graduates, for whether, whether it's college or high school or uh, kindergarten, we want to celebrate that group up here on June 11th, but by June 1st, really, we need to get the registrations in for those. You should know if they're going to graduate by the, by the If you're a little concerned, say, to be determined, but <laughs> you ought to know. And then we want to be able to be prepared to celebrate them. We have things we want to buy, and et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, it's got to be a surprise. But if you would help us do that by June 1, that way we can have that all settled. And that's my only announcements that I have. But we're going to move into our message today. Uh, we are in a series, Passover Pursuit Pentecost. Passover Pursuit Pentecost, and we started obviously on Passover Sunday, and we're in the pursuit, and then Pentecost is coming. The Holy Spirit is not a dove, but He came, He descended upon Jesus like a dove, and He wants to do the same with you, and hopefully on Pentecost Sunday, He will. However, we are in the middle of a pursuit, and this is exciting. This is how we should be. This is the life we're called to live and, uh, uh, and Passover, we talked about three things. We talked about the different aspects of what Passover is, different meanings, festival. We talked about uh, a meal and then the lamb. He's a fe- there's a festival, there's the meal, and then there he is the lamb. And so we talked about that. We talked about also, um, we talked about uh, ex- that Jesus came to explain when he was on the 40 days of after the resurrection on earth, that 40 days, he, he needed to explain the scriptures, so he opened up minds so the disciples could understand. He needed a, they needed a revelation because they haven't quite had that revelation, obviously. We're going to talk about a little bit of that today, but everything's been building up. Last week, we talked about waiting. Jesus says to, to wait for the promise. We talked about waiting, and one of the aspects was to pray, to be in, to pr- be in prayer, to uh, pursue Christ in prayer. We also talked about while in prayer, when God does speak, we take that revelation and we allow God to do an inner working in us so that as we do move, He begins to transition transition the situation or circumstance because of the work He's done in our heart. And so many of it's like, we just need to change all that. Well, it's never going to change because what's in your heart, you're going to keep compounding the issue. And so He says, let me do a work in your heart. Seek me through prayer. I'll reveal. I'll open your, your mind so you can understand my word, and then you'll know how I want you to walk in life and walk in that situation. So we're talking about pursuit. Well, there's another aspect that we're talking about tonight, or this morning rather, and it's called to believe. He wanted the disciples. He stayed on the earth 40 more days because he was trying to teach the disciples how to believe. Or to believe. And this is going to rock some of you today. We've been stepping on some toes this, this series, but I'm, I'm not shy from that. I'll warn you, if you don't know already, some of you, you're going to... Oh, you got open toes, girl. It's going to be rough. <laughs> Still toes are always welcome in the house. But we are talking about Jesus wanted to teach the disciples to believe. And so he played this game called tell and show. 
Now, I know it's called show and tell. We did this in school, show and tell. But see, back then, they didn't have the rhythm like we have. So it's, I guess it's just tell and show. And I'm going to explain why Jesus had a, had a way of doing this. And it's called tell and show because Jesus gets to decide what he wants to do. He gets to decide the way it should be. In fact, there, I say this, said this earlier, there's one thing that happens when you have an encounter with Jesus, something changes, and it's not Jesus. All right. So let's talk about that. So um, I think they already had some belief. The disciples, I think they had some belief, but I don't think they knew what it meant to believe. And I think some of that is still a residue for us because as we come to know Christ or begin this, pro- this par- process of pursuit of this person called Christ, I think we have a level of belief, but we doesn't, don't know how to believe. We don't know what we believe. And so God, thankfully, left his son here on earth for 40 days to give a model for all disciples to follow, meaning follow after, so that we would also follow the model. So I'm going to look at the. I want to show you something in Mark 6, so, sorry, Mark 16. In the last chapter of every one of the Gospels, you see the conversation about the 40 days when Jesus was in his resurrected body. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, last chapter, 40 days before ascension. Uh, The last 10 days before Pentecost, you'll find that in Acts 1. So if you want to review these things, last chapter of the Gospels and Acts 1. So Mark 16 says this in verse 9. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and she went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, I don't believe it. Now, these are the 11 disciples who walked with him, who listened to him, whom he told during the last supper time that the Son of Man must be delivered up. He will be taken. He will be beaten. He says, I will be crucified, but no worries. I'm going to resurrect three days later. But they don't believe it. These are the disciples. But they didn't believe it. How do I know they didn't believe it? One, it says it. Two, they weren't at the tomb three days later. Oh, he told me he's going to be there. He's not, he's not going to be there. I want to go see it because I want to make sure that what he said is true. I believe it, but I'm going to show up. They didn't show up because they didn't believe. They had belief, but they didn't know what it meant to believe. How many times has God spoken to you, though you said you trust him, your follow-through showed that you didn't believe him? Because what you believe will always be produced into an action. Even inaction reveals what you actually believe. I wonder how many church attenders have played tell and no-show. They said they believed because they prayed a prayer, but there was no transformation of heart which produced a compelling love response that caused them to action which revealed what they believe. Y'all ready for today? Okay. 
Hold on to your seats. Verse 12, after that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. Verse 13, remember, remember old Cleo we talked about a few weeks ago? This is one of them, Cleo. 13, and they went and told it to the rest. They didn't believe. But he told you, I don't believe it. He said, I'm going to be resurrected. I don't believe it. And again, these are 11 disciples, and they don't believe Mary, and they don't believe what Cleo and the other disciples said. The disciples of Jesus still don't believe and hold to hold Jesus at his word. They don't believe. This is what your Bible says, and he stayed 40 extra days so that he could teach them how to believe. I want you to believe. He told them, and now he has to show them. He playing tail and show. Luke 24, 9 and 11 says, Then they returned from the tomb and told these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Verse 10, and it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, not Gaines. Joanna Gaines wasn't there. And Mary, the mother of James, and the other woman with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. Like, bro, just a few days ago, Jesus told you this was going to happen, but they seemed to be, they walked with him for three years, but it seemed to be idle tales. Well, I wonder how many believers say that they're believers, but in reality to them, the word of God is like idle tales. Yet again, we see the disciples didn't believe. Let me give you three applications, three trifecta applications, that all three of these must be met and lived out for you to truly understand the fact and be able to stand on, no, I believe. I believe. Number one is this, believe Jesus is God. Not just the Son of God, but that Jesus is is God. Now, if you come to church every once in a while, you'll see that in Passover, uh, Passover weekend, we, had, uh, we led people to, believe, uh, to confess, rather, that Jesus is God, that he is the Son of God. However, that's not the full. If you come to church part of the time, and we're in a message series, you're going to get part of the truth. That's why we need to be in church so we can get the whole truth. I can't teach you the whole Word of God in one, one hour session. Get, come on. Some of you are like, could you just shut up right now? <laughs> Believe Jesus is God. I want to show you a passage that will strengthen your belief. And this is, the this is following when Jesus had gone up with Peter, James, and John, went up to the mount that is now called Transfiguration, and he did just that. He transfigured into another appearance. So right there in front of Peter, James, and John, they're coming down from the mountain, and in Mark 9, 14, it picks it up. It says, and when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who is, has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth and gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they couldn't. And he answered, and he answered him and said, Oh, you faithful, faithless rather, generation. 
how long shall I be with you? Now, this was before the crucifixion, but he's even wondering, oh my gosh, after I, after I resurrect, how, am I, how long am I going to have to hang out and help these people believe? How long will I be with you? Shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? He said, bring them to me. Bring them to me. Let me, let me, let me, let me show you what I've been telling you. Bring them to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So, verse 21, so he asked his father, how long has this been happening? And he said, from childhood. From childhood, and often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you, do, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. But Jesus said to him, if you can believe. It, it, no, sir, if you can believe. He said, no, sir, if, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears this most wise thing. So first Jesus says, bring the boy to me. But notice how, how calm Jesus is. Get out of the way. Bring him to me. I'm, I'm, Have you not been doing what I'm asking you to do? Do you not believe? Come on, bring him over here. Let me handle this. Believe. Sorry. Bring the boy, bring the boy to me. There's not a concern in his mind about this demon. He's not worried about it. He's not in fear of it. He has no thought, but he is concerned about the well-being of the child. And that's it. That's his focus. And I want you to catch that it, in the same way Jesus was calm in the boat through the storm, there's an inner knowing. There's this inner knowing of being with Jesus and believing with Jesus, believing in Jesus, there's an inner knowing that we carry. There's an inner knowing that he carried and there's inner knowing of what he can do because of his alignment with the Father. It wasn't about him. It was about his alignment with the Father. Jesus says, I do nothing of my own will but that of the will of the Father. Jesus is continually modeling a man on earth filled with the Holy Spirit. We see this through Scripture, always leading people back to the Father. That's his whole goal, to lead people back to the Father. Jesus says, I am in him and he is in me. And before Jesus leaves, what did he say? Abide in me and I will abide in you. And whatever you desire, say it and it shall be done for you. Boy, that comes from a deep level of belief, doesn't it? This is how we glorify the Father and bear much fruit. Because it's all about him. Jesus is totally unimpressed with this demon because he is God. So Jesus is God modeling to us how to walk with God. His whole intention is to teach us how we do this life, how we model so that we believe in the things that he does and who he says he is, unlike the disciples did, so that we walk with him in his likeness. So Jesus says to this man, if you can believe. He says, sir, the if does not regard me. If you can believe. The question is, 
if you can believe. And this man gives the best example and response you could possibly have. He says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And some of us have prayed a prayer and become haughty and say, oh, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. I, I believe. And we've missed the part where Jesus comes in, the Holy Spirit comes in and does an inner working in our heart and transforms our heart because we're unwilling to say, but help my unbelief, please. A coming to him in humility of there's some space where I'm not fully applying the word of God in my life. And I, don't, I refuse to on some levels, but I'm gonna, I, I, need, I need your help in my area of unbelief, so help my unbelief. We're stuck in this, I said a prayer, but our life looks nothing like the walk of Jesus Christ. You know, we had a family feud challenge on Wednesday, and, you know, the, the safety team won. Hey, give it up for safety team. Pulled it out. Yeah, pulled it out. There's a lot of competition in this church, so they won. They won the award, the, the Golden Eagle uh, Award, and so they were, they were um, doing a family feud style. And I don't know, anybody ever watched Family Feud? You got these families that are feuding, the kind of competition, and, and they answer a question. And so I, I feel like maybe the angels were probably responding, oh, Good answer. Good answer. You know how whenever you say it, say, good answer. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Oh, good answer. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder what we scored. But it is a good answer. In fact, it's where that humility comes in that, that the Lord can actually open up our minds for understanding and give us revelation so we can explain his word so we know how to fully pursue him. This is a good answer for my family. Lord, I believe, but there's some issues that's going on, so help my unbelief. For my finances, Lord, I believe, but I keep struggling, and apparently the way I'm doing it doesn't work, so help my unbelief. Lord, I believe, but in my business area, there's some things I keep hitting brick walls, so there must be some kingdom principles I'm not applying, so help my unbelief. Lord, I believe, but it seems like every time I get closer in the ministry, there's some hang-ups and there's some issues that starts to come out, so Lord... Help my unbelief. And it's in that help my unbelief that it begins to transform some things that are going on right here, right here, and then everything else begins to shift because the paradigm shifts in how I see things. Mark 9, 28, 29. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. What he, what he is saying is because you have to put action to your faith. It's easy to say you believe something or even in Jesus, but he says if you really do, there will be action that follows and outcomes that glorify the Father. And if you want more faith, then you have to move and do something. It takes faith to believe. Therefore, faith demands action. So you have to press into God so that you can move with him on the behalf of the Father. And when a situation simply requires obedience to what he has said, then belief looks like faith willing to yield to his word and allow his inner working to take place. That looks, that's what faith in action, that's what I really believe in you. I want to do this. Boy, everything in my soul says to do this, but I'm going to yield to the truth of your word, and I'm going to do this instead. 
And it's that time in those seasons and those moments that faith turns into action, which, incre- which causes belief. It proves what we actually believe. You need faith, and you need to know the will of the Father, but you haven't spent enough time in prayer and fasting, he's saying. How am I going to know the will of the Father whom which we are supposed to glorify? Only can we do that if we pursue him. Pursue him. James 2.21 in the message version says, Wasn't our ancestor uh, Abraham made right with God by works? Hang on. When he placed his son Isaac on the sacrificial altar, isn't it obvious that faith and works are yoked partners, that faith expresses itself in works, that the works are works in, of faith? The full meaning of believe in the, in the scripture sentence, Abraham believed God and it was set and was set right with God, includes his action. Note it, it includes his action. It's the weave of believing and acting that God Abraham named God's friend. Is it not evident that a person is made right with God, not by a barren faith, but by faith fruitful in works? Making that pew a little hot right now, isn't it? (laughs) In Romans, Paul says, that Abram believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Wait a minute, he just believed. Then he says to believe in your heart and confess in your, in your mouth, mouth. Wait a minute, I thought I just have to do that. But James is over here saying that according to Abraham, Abraham, he didn't just believe that he did some works. Which is it? Are these contradicting one another? Absolutely not. The Bible never does. They're complementing one another. And anytime you run into a scripture and you get a hang up and it's like, I don't know about this. This chain challenges everything I thought. I I thought it was this way. Pull back. Let that be a theme of how you search the scriptures, get a paradigm of everything else the scriptures say, then come back to to this particular verse, analyze it through that lens. And when it's still a challenge, Lord, who was this actually speaking to in its time? What was the culture of the day? What did this actually mean to them and not me in my Western mind who sees things a different way? What is it really saying that I can't see on the surface and I have to dig in because it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and it's the glory of kings to search out a matter, Proverbs 25, 2. So I can't be lazy in my faith. I can't be lazy in my pursuit in the word. So he's saying, true belief and true faith has action to it. So if you increase your faith or actually establish your faith, here's what you are to do. Say, Lord, I believe. Oh, gosh. But there's so much I need to grow in. Please help my unbelief. And let me clarify, you don't get saved because you do something. But when you get saved, love compels you to go and do something. You see the difference? And this is what Abraham, he believed, he trusted, he entrusted himself and his family, his son, and his action showed that he believed God was true. If you want to build your faith and develop your belief in him, read your Bible, Uh, pray, Get in a small group of people that are on the discipleship pursuit. Start serving in church. Not to be a good church attender, a church, church goer. It's just what we do because we've been compelled by love in which we received by grace. Tithe. 
This is not a hard, this is not a hard issue. It's a heart issue. Because I don't believe, therefore I don't do. I'm drawing a line for you because I'm not concerned about when you said a prayer. I'm concerned that you get saved even if it's today, even though you've been in church for 30 years. The issue is, are we going to heaven? And if you just said a prayer 30 years ago and there's been no action to follow, no belief in action, it may be that you just said a prayer without any fruit. There's four soils that Jesus explains, and it's only the fourth that's producing. The other three, oh, they got enlightened. They got all excited about the word. I heard the Lord today. Jesus, he spoke to me. I even said a prayer. I'm excited. But then, boom, you go out there and, whew. Is it hot in here? Make it all hot? Do we need to lead you to the Lord right now? <laughs> Making light of it. Because it's a, but it's a serious thing. All right. There's a deception that a national poll from, from Gallup actually, actually found that 57% of believe, faith-believing people believe, they think that, that faith is to be a private matter. Their personal faith is to be a private matter. Let me tell you, according to the Word of God, most of those people who say they believe do not believe. Because it may be a private moment and decision that has to go public. And if it stays private, it's not real. It's like this, when this, in this church for good stewardship, we have motion detecting light switches. And when you walk into a room, it detects there's an action taken and then the power clicks on, the lights come on. When there's no one in the room, the lights are off, there's no power. But when as soon as you walk in the room, it's detected and power begins to light up and ignite in the room. And it's like that in our faith. If you really are saved, there's an action that causes us to be compelled by love and power begins to walk into the room whenever we walk. Oh, that's really good news. Here's the other thing. Sometimes we walk into a room, we just sit there. And all of a sudden, that light switch goes off. And that's where many professing believers are today. They say because they said a prayer, they walked into a room, they started something, but they just sat there and the power went out. You will always act upon what you believe. Inaction is an action that proves what you actually believe. Number two, number one was believe Jesus is God. Number two, believe Jesus loves you. And many people struggle with this fact because that Jesus loves them. Why? Because many didn't have an earthly father that was a good example that could lead them to a heavenly father. They say, they think, we think, if my earthly father couldn't love me, how will a heavenly father love me? Jesus is always trying to point us to the father. Or, then I have no problem considering that Jesus is Lord, but he hasn't become my Savior because he's trying to lead me to a Father that I don't know would actually love me. And love is the first and foremost attribute of himself because Jesus is love. So he loves you. And there's one let me give you this one. John 20, 1 and 4. There's one disciple 
who had this revelation and he got it. Oh, he got it. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went, up, went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the... Notice this. I want you to notice this block. Other, other disciple whom Jesus loved. And said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter, therefore, went out, and, and the other disciple, I don't want to really mention him. I don't want to, I don't want to you know, I don't, want to, I don't want to talk about it, but it's me. The, and we're going to the tomb. Now, this is John writing. He is the other disciple. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter. I just want you to know. I'm the one who Jesus loved. I mean, the other disciple is the one whom Jesus loved. And that other disciple outran Peter (laughs) and came to the tomb first. But wait a minute. If you didn't get it, if you didn't get it, he'll bring it back. So humble. John 20, verse 8. And the other disciple, by the way, he's he's the one that came to the tomb first. In case you forgot. I wrote that earlier in John, John 4, but I just want to remind you, because we're getting close to the end of the book. The other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also. He saw, and he believed. The other 11 heard the same stories. They sat at the same table. They were there with Jesus. Heard the same things from his mouth. Saw him do the same things. They didn't believe. Oh, they had a belief. If you'll recall, they had a belief, so they followed him. But they didn't believe. They didn't believe him to hold true to his word. Because Jesus, he knew Jesus truly loved him. He had a revelation that Jesus loved him. What caused him to have that breakthrough, one step is to put, what causes you to have that breakthrough, one step is to put faith into action. And once you do, you'll have an experience and an encounter with God that proves the love that he told you whenever you chose to commit your life to God. The next step is to have such a deep encounter with Jesus that you know he loves you beyond your stuff. This is another hang-up. Why would you love me? Why would you love me? John 13, 23, now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of, the, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. John 19, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the, and the disciple whom Jesus loved. Next verse. John 21, 7, therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved. Next verse. John 21, 20, then Peter turning around saw the disciple. Jesus loved him. Jesus loved him. And I can't read this without thinking of the time Moses wrote about himself. Numbers 12, 3. Now the man Moses was very humble. More humble than all the men who are on the face of the earth. Well, that is really humble. Now either John and, and Moses were either extremely egotistical 
or they were moved by the Holy Spirit to pen God's word, and with much reverence, they wrote out these truths. Because they had a revelation from the Father of who he says that they are, therefore, not out of pride, but of humility, so that the world may know this is who Jesus is, and this is who he has called me to be. That's identity, by the way. And a true identity only comes from the Father. True identity only comes through the Son. True identity only comes through when we're pursuing in prayer and fasting, devotion, commitment. We're listening. He's opening up our minds so he can explain. We have understanding and we have revelation and a heart transformation that proves the good work, the fruit of repentance of salvation. That's called believing. So, sorry, that's that. Okay, so it doesn't mean that Jesus didn't love the other disciples. It just means that, that John knew from an encounter that Jesus loved him. John was the only gospel writer that documented also the 11th commandment. You know, the 11, there's 11 commandments, not, not just 10. What was it Robert Redford? He didn't, he didn't tell you about this one, he left it out there. Some of you are stuck on the 10, but there's another one. Look at this. And John, here we go, 1334, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. John 15, 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. John 15, 17, these things I command you that you love one another. John, 1 John 4, 21, and this commandment we have from him that he who loves God must love his brother also. John lived to be over 100 years old. The other ten were martyred. Matthew was killed with a sword. Philip was hung. Peter was crucified upside down. James the Lesser was thrown from the temple and then beaten to death. James the Greater was beheaded. Simon the Zealot was crucified. Bartholomew was flayed to death with the whip. Thomas was stabbed with a spear. Thaddeus was killed with arrows. Uh, Andrew was whipped by seven soldiers and then crucified. After a revelation, they had faith put into action to reveal what they actually believed. These are our disciples. These are our example. John, they tried to martyr him, but he wouldn't die. In the Roman Colosseum, I was there about a month ago. I wish I had some pictures for you. In the Roman Colosseum, there was a big night. They were advertising, and this, these walls, these seatings, as high as you can possibly imagine, in this little dome place. And they're advertising, we find, we've got John. And we're going to boil him tonight. He's going to be in hot oil. And they, there's this row, this valley that leads up, up to the Colosseum. And they just slaughtered tons of Christians all the way into the Colosseum. And the big event was going to be John. They bring out this boiling cauldron of oil. They bring out John. And they place him in the cauldron of oil. And what is he doing? Preaching the gospel because he believes. Then they pull him up. And there was no harm done to him. He had a revelation of the love of Jesus and his life. Then they exiled him to the island of Patmos, which he wrote the book of Revelation. And many of you are thinking, well, no wonder he lost his mind. 
The book of Revelation is a love story for those of us. God is saying, hey, I'm sifting out. I'm trying to get you ready because there's going to be a time coming. I'm letting you know what it really looks like. It's a love story saying those who really love me, who really believe in me according to the context of my word, I'm coming for you. I got redemption for you. It's going to be really good. That's why it's a love story. If there's fear in your heart of revelation, you might want to check what you believe. Number one, believe Jesus is God. Number two, believe Jesus loves you. And again, many of you struggle with the fact that Jesus loves you because you see your junk. You know your thoughts. You know what you want to do. By the way, a lot of that's just temptation from Satan. And don't forget that Jesus came to set at free the, the captives. And so just, there's some believers that truly have a heart for Christ and they really want to follow him, but there's just this hang up. There's this cycle that you're in. There's this bondage. And Jesus just wants you to come to him and say, Lord, I believe, help this unbelief. And he'll set you free. He know, only he knows the heart. And lastly, and equally important in the trifecta is believe you love Jesus. I'm not going to read it to you, but you know the story. Jesus in his resurrected body, he's been going through this whole 40 days and, and still, they're like, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I got to believe it to see it. Jesus shows up on the beach, not, not to just lay out, get some fish. He's cooking a little barbecue, a little breakfast. Talks to Peter, talks to the disciples. Peter recognized that's, that's him. That's the one. I, that's the one I've been waiting. That it is him. Well, if you believed, you wouldn't be surprised. I'm working on you. Jesus says, "Who do you say I am?" Peter says, "You are the Christ." He knew who he was. Three times before Jesus goes to the cross, this same Peter denies Jesus. So he knew who he was. Shows up on the scene on the side, on the beach, where, G, where Peter just goes to doing his old things, his old ways of doing things. This is where many of us do. Yeah, I got saved, but I'm still doing the old things. And your life looks nothing like following Christ. So you really, you really don't believe. Probably maybe, maybe the first soil, second soil, even third soil. But we haven't quite set root to be that fourth soil yet. And again, that's okay. You may have been believing it for 30 years, but today's the day that you actually have an encounter with Christ and he actually transforms your heart. That's what matters. And he says to Peter on the side of the beach, he says, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. So three times he denied him. Three times he asked him. And what does he say? Somebody called it. He says, then turn it into action. He said, do you, do you love me? Lord, you know I love Then show it. Lord, I mean, Jesus, Peter, do you love me? Lord, I said, I, I told two times, I told you I loved you. Then go and put that faith into action, please. 
He was drawing it out. Why did he stay 40 days? To teach them what it really means to believe. And I'm telling you today, Jesus is trying to teach you what it really means to believe. And what you settled for is not what Jesus intended. And it's not what's going to get you into the place of redemption and into heaven. It's going to make you feel really good right now, but it's not going to work on the day Jesus comes. Because it's got to look like action. It's got to look like faith. It's not the works aren't for salvation, but because of the love that I received and I experienced our salvation, I can't help but to move and move to glorify the Father. Do you love me? Jesus is right now saying, do you love me? And your response is probably, yeah, you know I do. Then go, go show it. Do you love me? Yeah, yeah. Then start to serve. Do you love me? Well, then start to do something that moves the Father's agenda forward. And on that, the movement of the church began. I'm going to drive this home a little bit more. The original language, belief, when you, when you research belief, to believe, it means to fully entrust oneself in the Greek, in the original language, to fully entrust oneself. So when I say I believe in Jesus, that means beyond my own ideas and my own desires, my own soulish thoughts, my own personal contradictions of the word, I am fully entrusting myself to what words the word says until I can co completely surrender and come under and it's just how I do life. And that's only gonna take place when I practice his word beyond my thoughts, my heart's desires, my will, it's his will over my will and it's only gonna make root when I choose to do it his way and that's it. Because what I do proves what I believe. Bone and marrow, soul and spirit, the Word of God separates. I want to give you this last little illustration even. Because you're probably in the schoolyard as a little child with all the other kids. Oh, you know, little Susie. I think she likes me. I'm going to go out with her. I'm going to ask her later, will you go with me? I'm going to write a little card, circle yes or circle no, and give it back to me, or give it to my friend, give it to Andrea, give it to me. Some of you are in that approach with Jesus in your relationship, and in your mind, because of whatever reason, your relationship looks like, he loves me, he loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. And the life you live shows what you believe. And you think, if I just do one wrong thing, he's going to no longer love me. And so it's, I might as well not even try. Loves me not. And if I think that I can lose my salvation, then my heart will be towards, well, if I'm going to be losing it anyway, I might as well go to hell. I'm going to hell, I'm saved. I'm going to hell, I'm going to save. It turns into religion, which turns into works, and it's no longer about grace 
Otherwise, it never was a gift, but if it's grace, I receive it, I'm justified. But if you're really saved and you're really justified, you've really received it, it looks like faith being put into action. So I say it again, though you said a prayer decades ago, it's only until you truly have an encounter with the transformation of a heart and your mind and you start to put that faith into action that it actually sets. And it turns into this, oh, he loves me, 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 whoo, he loves me. Like life just looks like that. And when I'm struggling, I come to him and say, Lord, I believe and help my unbelief. And I get around some believers, some people that can speak into my life and I listen to them beyond me because I'm no longer proud. I'm like the man who has a child who's thrown in the fire, in the water, who's convulsing because I can't figure it out. So please help me because what I'm doing doesn't work. Belief. So anyway, let me pray for you because he loves you. 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 He loves you beyond you, in spite of you. He loves you. He just wants an encounter with you. He wants you to pursue him. He's pursuing you. In fact, his spirit jealously longs for the spirit that he's placed within you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Will you accept his love today? Because today he's saying, do you love me? And based on what your answer is, It's going to bear fruit. And the fruit that you bear will reveal what you believe. You good? So, Father, today we ask for every spirit that is competing with your spirit, your voice, your word, every deaf and dumb and blind spirit to be gone in Jesus' name, any spirit of fear to be gone in Jesus' name, any, any spirit from the little G of this world that is blinded, the people of the world to be removed and be gone in Jesus' name so the presence of God can pursue, can enter, can come in. And I pray these things in Jesus' mighty name.